Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hi, this is Mark Homer for Mark My Words. I'm at a property networking event in London, and I've got a special episode for you. This is the 10-year anniversary of Progressive Property Podcast. I recorded it with my business partner, Rob Moore, to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. So I hope you enjoy it. Happy listening. Goodbye. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm here at Progressive Property HQ in Peterborough. I'm delighted to be interviewing the co-founders of Progressive, Rob Moore and Mark Homer on their company's 10th anniversary. I was lucky enough to win a competition on the Progressive Property community to interview both Rob and Mark on this remarkable milestone. We're going to be talking in depth about the journey of Progressive over the past 10 years, the achievements, the challenges, and what has made Progressive a multi-million pound business and how it has served hundreds and thousands of people just like you and me in the UK. So, Rob and Mark, welcome. Hi John, and hi th- everyone. And thanks for having me. Pleasure John, welcome. Privilege and an honour, thank you very much. Progressive Property turned 10 years old today. That's a huge achievement for any business. It must seem like a long time ago when you first sat down together to mastermind this. Tell us all about that. Tell us how it all began. Well, I think I've got a more clear memory of this than Mark, because I think me meeting Mark impacted me more than Mark meeting me. So I recall it being right at the end of December 2005, where I'd been in property for all of a week. So from about the age of 18 to 25, my life kind of, it was kind of just running away from me in that I was an artist, wasn't really making any money, I was quite lonely. I had freedom of running my own business, but it was really hard to get by. And for decades, like two decades, dad had always said to me, hey, look, son, you, you're going to be an entrepreneur one day and you should get into property and business and you, know, you don't want to work for anyone else. It was ironic because I ended up working for him for quite a few years. And then one day, December the 15th, 2005, my dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub and he was in front of all of his best customers and myself, my sister, my mum, and uh, the, the police came and they wrestled him to the ground and they um, he ended up getting sectioned and he ended up being in Ward 5 of the PDH Peterborough District Hospital and he was in and out for years. And it was like the worst day of my life in that the person who I loved and looked up to the most, you know, his dignity was kind of taken away from him. And he'd worked so hard to put me through private school and, you know, try and raise me in the way that hopefully would give me the best chance in life. And it all just got the better of him and the pub industry was dying at that time the smoking ban and you know all these bars and pubs and hotels and restaurants and everything else that popped up and you could get you know your 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 booze from the supermarkets that were undercutting the pubs and it all just in the end it just all got too much for him and on that day when I watched it all happen I realized I needed to change and do something with my life and I didn't know what and I was scared but I then started hearing all the things my dad had been saying to me, like, you should get into property, you should run your own business, you should be your own boss. So I made a decision, I thought I'm gonna do it. And um, so I started out on my own journey looking for something, I didn't know what, you know, I, I knew property was something my dad wanted me to be in, and a lot of people on the rich list were in property, but I thought, well, I haven't got any money, I don't know how to do this. Anyway, long story short, within a week, the gallery owner of one of my, you know, gallery owners who hung my work, he never really sold much for me, but he hung my work, he said, hey, there's this property event in Peterborough going on. And I was like, why would I want to go to a property event? I don't have any money. I can't do property. It's too big for me. He said, go along, try it. And I thought, you know what? I've got to do something. So I went along. There's only a few people there. It was the Holiday Inn in Peterborough. And the last person I networked with and spoke to at the bar after I'd handed every business card out was this man here. And um, he was pretty sceptical of me at first. Uh, he probably thought, oh, look at this newbie. But yeah, we, um, we got to know each other quite well. Uh, and that was right at the end of December 2005. Fast forward to end of Feb 2006, you'd help me get a job, hadn't you? You'd, um, Mark worked in a company, a property company, and he kind of said, look, we need to hire this guy. And Mark sort of protected 
from the fact that I didn't have any knowledge, experience or money. But it was like, look, this guy's got some energy. We need to hire him. And I started on minimum wage and then £8 an hour and then £10 an hour. And I think we started buying our first properties together, what, March 06? It would have been around that time. I mean, it, when I first met Rob, for me, you know, he, he, was, he was somebody who was just starting out. But I gave him a few books to read. And unlike anybody else that I'd done that with, he went away and read a series of books, like in a week. And uh, I kind of tested him on it and uh, asked him yeah. a few questions. And um, What's in page 142? I suddenly realised that actually, he, he, you know, he, he wasn't just kind of saying this stuff. He actually did, you know, put the work in, put the effort in, and, and he, he, he was um, generating results very, very quickly. So within a short space of time, we got him on the phones and he started selling. And he was there till all hours at night, working out how to sell better. He was reading every book on it. He was working out how to create the marketing story and um, and he created a, a whole marketing funnel and we were kind of selling a lot more and, and, and doing a lot more than we ever were and he'd done that from nothing so you know for me that was very that was very inspiring and unlike what I'd seen with any of my friends or other business partners before so I became quite convinced very quickly that this was going to be a good partnership and and I thought, well, if you can do that in that kind of time, what, what, what can we do in, you know, several decades? So, you know, with, with, within a, a relatively short space of time, Rob started saying to me, well, I want a property portfolio. And, um, you know, I, I had some cash. So I started going out, finding the properties, you know, refurbishing them, rolling the money around. You know, back then you could buy without deposits. There were all sorts of ways of, of getting properties without, you know, having too much money. And uh, we started to build our property portfolio together jointly and um, with, 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 you know, not a lot of money. And um, that's where it all started. When Mark was referring to me reading the books and then sort of, you know, getting mm. on the phones and selling properties and whatever else, I didn't really know how to do any of it. And to be honest, the thought of selling was really scary to me. I'd like, I mean, I'd, I'd been doing art for years and couldn't sell any of it. But I, I just saw that as a way where I could add value because I didn't have any knowledge or experience or money. So I thought, well, if I can show Mark that I can take something new and run with it and sort of hide my lack of knowledge and just try it, maybe I can earn his tr trust and respect. And um, yeah, I think by the end of 06, we had about 20 properties together. By the end of 07, we had about another 30, so we had nearly 50. And uh, yeah, we, in, in 06, we were working for a company. And uh, it was like the greatest thing ever in a way, because whilst Mark and I, if we're honest, would make like the worst employees ever and uh, probably not born, if anyone is not born, to, to, to work for other people. To work in a property company that were, you know, disrupting and growing back then and to be at the, like, on the front line of it, like, you know, Mark was sourcing all the properties. He was going to meet the developers. He was going overseas and seeing all the developments. I was doing the, the websites and, and the marketing and I was sort of selling on the phones and because we had a boss who was very hands-off and he just kind of made us do everything. But in that year of 2006, our sort of fledgling year together, we just got like the, the most frontline, hardcore, you know, rough and ready knowledge that you could never get at a university or, you know, reading manuals or doing night school or whatever. And it was like, it was probably the, the deepest knowledge I'd ever had in one year. And um, yeah, in the end of that year, Mark and I kind of knew together that we had to do this on our own. We'd put a couple of new business model proposals to our ex-boss. I remember he'd um, he kind of, he dismissed one of them and then another one, he, said, he sort of took off us. <laughs> and I said to Mark, you know, we need to move. I kind of got us fired, <laughs> which uh, wasn't always the intention, but it, hey, it, it was, I'm very grateful he fired us because otherwise we might still be in a job. Yeah, so that's kind of how it all started in Peterborough in 05, 06. So was there, was there a certain point where you both realised how you complemented each other and how you both had different uh, skill sets the other one didn't have. That, that would have been early 06, I think. Um, yeah. It became very clear that I loved going out and looking at properties. I loved going out and, you know, doing deals. Yeah. I loved going out and finding the, the latest finance because, you know, to me, what excited me back then actually the core of it is 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 still pretty similar today although the mechanism's different because i'm doing it on different properties but you know for me you know getting a property getting it leveraged so borrowing a, a decent amount of money on it and then watching those 
massive compounded returns, which would be you know, returns on returns on returns from not having too much money left in a deal. For me, that is very exciting and that, that really gets my, uh, my juices flowing. So he loves numbers. Yeah, I, I love I love looking at a spreadsheet that that that, that basically goes from said with such passion that, that goes from <laughs> that goes from one property say to a hundred properties and then you know the numbers just become exponentially bigger in terms yeah. of equity and cash flow and all that sort of stuff and I still haven't found a vehicle that you can do that in such a big way you know yeah okay it takes time but I think I think if you if you find properties cheap and you, you find ways to add value to them and then you, you get a relationship with a good bank, then you can borrow money against them. I think you can move furthest, fastest yeah. using a property investment strategy, although our strategies have changed over the years. So for me, that, that was really, really exciting back then and it still is today. Yeah. Rob got excited about all the stuff that I've never really got excited about and I'm not good at, like marketing, yeah. like writing reams and reams of stuff that people read that you know that takes me a hell of a long time to do that takes me a lot more energy and a lot more mental capacity to do yeah i can write an article but it will be reasonably succinct and it won't you know it won't have there won't be much i suppose i call it fluff but it, so there isn't my stuff <laughs> but um but people, certain people will love reading that, but lots of people will look at it and go, oh, that's a bit boring or that's a bit heavy or, or whatever. So I could see that in Rob relatively early on. I could also see the marketing genius come out. And there are, there are lots of other areas in which Rob would be much better than me and, and more passionate than me. And he uses a different side of the brain to me. So we're built quite differently. And I think early in 06, we started to identify that. But really the rubber really meets the road when you you test a relationship or you, you test something and then you, you you measure the results after a period of time and, and we got to do that so that that just solidified my thinking in that it, it was going to work with us together as a, in a partnership i think i probably worked it out through the journey in 06 when i first met mark and i think he'd probably say the opposite but the same i found him quite strange weird but very intriguing he just, I'd never met anyone like that before. And it's like Mark, every time talk, Mark talks about something, he'll get his phone out and he'll do the numbers on it. I was like, that's strange. He's just doing the numbers on everything. And, um, and I was never, re never really good at that. For me, it's all like big picture, vision, instinct. With Mark, it's digits, numbers, facts. And through, through 2006, when we started together, I was like hyper excited. But I was hyper excited because I could see a solution to the, the, the pains and the problems I'd had, you know, in 2005 and beyond. But also I probably was a little bit all over the place. I was probably quite a lot of wayward energy. But over that year, Mark was like, well, maybe we shouldn't do that, Rob. Let's focus on that. You know, let's not do overseas. Let's do existing property. Let's not do all over the country. Let's do Peterborough. You know, let's just stick to refurbs before we do a load of HMOs. Let's test some HMOs before we do 50 of them. And because I, I was always like, Mark, more, more, bigger, bigger. And because it's all right when it ain't my money, it's Mark's money. But, you know, one, it's Mark's money and his family's money and his friend's money. And, you know, he's putting a lot of his collateral on the line. He just needed to rein that in a bit. And I think it came to a head where I knew we were very different when I was doing this reality TV show. It was called Get A Life. It was at the end of 2006. And um, it was billed to be the next big brother. And um, it was on living at prime time. And I was literally, we were locked in this mansion in St Albans for about six or eight weeks. And I'd been planning for Mark and I to set up Progressive Property. And Mark, he was slower to be um, convinced. And I was like, we've got to go, we've got to move, we've got to do it ourselves, now's the time. And I was like, well, let's just take our time. Anyway, while I was out on the TV show and we had no phone access, I was speaking to him once a week, once on a Sunday evening, our ex-boss found my plans to set up the company. It even had like, yeah, it was, it was pretty... It was detailed. They were Rob. detailed yeah. plans of setting up the company. And so we got fired. But Mark got hit with it while I was on this TV show. Mark, phone, Mark was phoning me up and leaving messages. And then I picked him up on the Sunday and Mark was like, Rob, 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 we've been fired. And, you know, he was a bit worried about it, but I was really excited. And I realised then that we went about this very differently. And I was bish, bash, bosh. And Mark was a bit more like careful and considered. And I think then I knew we were going to make a good partnership. I respected him for who he was. 
I didn't want to change him, which is really important. You know, often when you're in partnerships or relationships, you want to change people to be more like you or convince them of your way. But I'd met someone actually who I really respected and admired the way he was. I didn't want to change him. And of course, it was always going to be challenges. I knew that because we're different. And I think, yeah, when we started, Mark was able to do this side of the business. I was able to do that side of the business. We left each other alone for a lot of the time. And I think because of that, we were able to get twice as much done. Well, you know, 10 years is a long time, but it's not a long time. It's a long time for most businesses. Mm. They say, don't they, 90% of them fail in the first year, then 90% of them in the next three years, and then, what, 90% of them in 10 years. So 10 years is a big milestone. But still, we're going to be doing this for another 60. I'm convinced I'm going to be doing this, you know, when I'm 90, 95, 100. People always ask me, what's your exit strategy, Rob? Death, that's mine. I'm going to be doing this for a long time. You know, all those things we were told back then about compounding, about property market doubling every seven to 10 years. We've seen it, it's real. And of course, now we manage over 700 units. And you know, our, our property companies do, what, 15 to 20 million pounds, depending on which fiscal year you look. And so we've, we're able to see it now. So if anyone's watching, just keep going. You know, if, if you want to get into property and you want to do property, just keep going. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have down valves. You're going to have JV partners who pull the money at the last minute. You're going to feel alone. So have a sleep, get up the next day, you know, have a coffee, <laughs> put your work clothes on and keep going. When you started, you were primarily building a portfolio for yourself and others. What made you decide to take the jump and become a training and education business? Was it a risky choice? So when we started, we were wholly sourcing properties for investors and we, we'd build them a portfolio. So it was, it was early 07. You know, the market was, it was like the Wild West really because the market was moving very, very quickly. We'd had a bit of a dip in 05, but then 06, it really started going. In 07, it was going like a freight train. And that was probably because we were coming towards the end of the cycle. But actually, banks had loosened up even more in 06 and 07. A lot of these mortgage-backed securities and a lot of things that got them into trouble had really started to, uh, to, to, to come on and enable them to, to lend more, to drop their criteria and, and, and their margins. The amount they were taking out of the deals were wafer thin. So, so the market was really, really going. So we were convinced that we should, you know, we should use that leverage. We'll, we'll be able to buy properties, get a lot of people's money out and, and build them portfolios. So, so we did that. And then we got into the credit crunch, 09, 2010. And it progressively got more difficult to do that. But what happened, I think it was probably 2008, was we were running one-day courses to teach people about how to invest in buy to let how to build a small portfolio. And we weren't really charging for them, but we were, as, as a aside from that, we were showing them how we could do the same for them. And what we found was that as we came into the credit crunch, more and more people were interested or more interested in the training product. And, and they were saying to us, well, could you, could you do a, a one day just, just you know, training course on this, or could you do a two-day training course on that? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm already sourcing properties. I'd rather source the properties myself. So that was quite interesting. So you know, Rob started designing a course for for one, two, or three days, and I, I you know, I, I helped write the masterclass in in the early days. And um, so we started providing this this training alongside the property sourcing. And what we found was, especially through the credit crunch, that grew a lot, lot quicker. More and more, and more staff came into the, the education side of the business. And, you know, that's where it's gone today. So the way I recall the journey, and it's funny because I talk to Mark a lot, being his business partner, and he's my best friend. And I listen to him speak. Sometimes we remember the journey different. There's no doubt that when we started, our intention was to buy properties for ourselves. But Mark and I started at different points. So Mark started working at, at the property company. That was about a year before me, wasn't yeah. it? And so what Mark wanted to do is he wanted to learn on the job so he could do it himself one day. So Mark's thought process, which is smart, by the that way. That was totally it. Yeah. That was why I went to work there. So, so Mark didn't want a job job, but he thought, well, if I can work in a property company, I can get the best education learner to buy properties myself and get paid at the same time. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, 
there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. So a smart choice. So that's how Mark started a year before me. I started because I wanted to jump into property for myself, but thought, well, I can earn while I'm doing my art as well. So we both kind of went in. It's like if you wanted to buy properties yourself, you might go and work in an estate agency for a year and you might see that as your education and the ability to buy. So we both, our original intention was always to buy properties ourselves. We, we, at the same time, we got a job which also taught us, like, if you want to get fit, be a personal trainer. So that was kind of our thought process. So a year in, we had this job, which I got us fired from, but we bought 20 properties. Now, here's a kind of interesting irony. This company was selling new build overseas off plan. Now, back in 05, 06, everyone was selling that and it was working because it was on the crest of the wave. But Mark, because he's much more skeptical and analytical, he was probably one of the first people in the UK to go, wait a minute, this is going to go wrong one day, I think, or this isn't going to last forever. We've got to go into something different. So Mark was going around to everyone saying, we should do existing stuff. We should do the older stuff. We should do refurbs. We should buy rundown properties. And everyone's going to him going, what? You know, you're, because he's like, he's got this contrarian mindset. So, so our ex-boss was dismissing it all going, no, 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 new build overseas off plan, which then was working. So I was off sort of, you know, doing what he was telling me. And in the background, Mark was buying all this really minging, run down dilapidated single lets locally and we amassed about 20 in that first year so then the next year in 07 so we incorporated progressive on this day 10 years ago we had a dual intention then and it was to continue to buy for ourselves and to buy for other people a because we'd be getting asked about it a lot and so maybe that was a monetizable business rather than just keep giving information for free and b we wanted another income stream because we wanted to buy properties for ourselves, but that the income can be a bit delayed. You know, you buy a property, you put money in, you've got to get rented out, and you, you drip feed an amount of income, and you need, if single lets, you might need 20, 30 properties to have the amount of passive income. So then it went from buying for ourselves and buying for others. I was always very upfront about this. I believe you're always best buying for yourself if you get the knowledge than someone else doing it for you. you know, it's like having a fund manager or a wealth manager or any kind of advisor that you're paying to do something for you. You can get a good one and you can pay them and they can do well, but you've got to minus all their fees out of the costs and they can be significant. And you running your own business and portfolio, as long as you're getting good knowledge, is always going to be better for you than paying someone else to do it. If you choose to be hands off and, you know, hey, I don't want to learn this, you know, so I was saying to people, if you want to do it yourself and you want to get the best returns, go and earn it yourself. And what that was doing was, was it was kind of polarizing people because people will come back to me and say, oh, well, Rob, I want you to do it for me because you guys know what you're doing and I don't want to be involved in property. And that's how our sourcing was. But everyone else was going, well, you're saying to me, do it myself and I should learn myself. Where do I go? So then I thought, well, maybe we should give them some information. So it started with me writing our first book, Property Investing Secrets. I extracted all of Mark's knowledge out of his head. I um, wrote his knowledge into a book and put my sort of spin on the things that I knew. That's now edition four. That's some more property books in the UK than any other by a long way. That book's pretty, been, pretty much been going for nine years. It's now in version four. And then the just demand just kept going in. People were saying, well, we, we want more, we want more, we want more, we want more. And if I could go back through the 10 year journey and sort of share with people what we learned with that is, it's wise to have capital and income strategies. So for us, you know, you've got to be careful with property because you can get confused between capital and income. There's a lot of people at the moment doing service accommodations or they're doing commercial conversions and they're great, but really they're capital for the first one to two years <laughs> until you've got the steady income stream. Whereas training for us was very income 
specific. Our single lets became income after maybe two or three years, but they were capital at first. So anything that produces income quite quickly and residually would be a capital strategy. And then any, anything that takes a lot of money and it takes years to bring in the income or is lumpy, like flipping, is capital. So we, you know, fast forward to like 2009, we had income from properties, income from portfolio building and income from the training. But our passion was always to do properties ourselves, And it still is. My passion, even today, is doing deals. Yesterday, I was on the phone to a big institution around Peterborough, and I think we've just done a deal with them for a 60-room block. And, you know, two weeks before, we were just having a 38-room block revalued. Uh, you know, that's another deal that we've done over the last 18 months. And two months before that, you know, I completed on another deal, which we've purchased, which would be 18 rooms. So we're constant, my, my pa I'll be buying properties until I'm dead. You know, that, that is what I love to do. Even and I'll if, be freezing his jeans. <laughs> it, it, it would be very easy for me not to be so involved in this stuff, but I just can't stop because I love it. I can't stop investing in and kind of doing the nuts and bolts of deals. So um, yeah, it's just, just sort of in me. And I think um, when the recession happened, a load of property companies went under. And we've seen so many come and go. Like when you've been through one cycle, you know, and like, you know, through the 10 year journey, you see so many people come and go. And I think the advantage we've had, and hey, stay hungry, stay humble. So I'm not saying I'm an expert. If anyone calls me an expert or a guru, that's them saying it, not me. I'm a student and I want to always stay humble and hungry. But because we have those two sides, like for me, sharing information, writing books, getting in on the communities and writing articles and teaching and helping people and always learning and listening to podcasts and studying. I love doing that. And Mark loves doing the deals side of it. And we've had that partnership, you know, where I can let him go and crack on and do the deals and he loves to do it. Just last night at six o'clock, I went for a run and I'm run when I'm running around, I can't help but look at all the houses. And I like to take detours around all the really nice streets and look at the best properties. And then I like to take detours around some of the not so nice streets and look at ones we could refurb. And it's funny, the streets I've run down 50 times, there's, there's always a new property that pops up. And you think, wait, how come I've never seen that before? That happens all the time. And it's kind of weird, you know. And it, so, like, I think that the better a love you have for this game, the longer you're going to go. And I think it's important for us to say, and Mark said it, there are always challenges. You know, there's always the unglamorous side of it. There's things that go wrong. And, uh, you know, like we, we've never been the company to say, hey, you know, you can get rich quick in five minutes and it's easy, easy, easy. It's easy to do. It's easy not to do. You know, you have to work hard enough not to have to work hard. Anyone can do it, but most people don't. And I think if you can find the passion and it's something you can get fall in love with, then you'll enjoy the challenges. You know, there's, there's, there's challenges every day. So what? They're fun. There'd be challenges no matter what you did. You know, if, you, if you're in a job, there'd be challenges. It's just different challenges. But um, it just so happens that the challenges we have in property, if you could say you love problems, which most people don't, but you know, if you imagine those sort of geeky scientists or hackers, you know, they've got all these problems with code or trying to crack DNA or whatever. And it's a problem, but it's almost like they love overcoming that problem. And I think that that's how we look at property. Yeah, there's yeah. problems. You'd rather it be easy, wouldn't we all? But it never is but we can sort of have this passion to overcome those problems. Uh, property is a vast area. Clearly lots of areas have got a lot of facets to them and, and you need to go deep. But property, I for me, is there is so much stuff I know that I don't know about it. Every, every time I, I go into a new strategy or do something different, I realise there's a whole nother world, a whole nother kind of iteration or section of the property market that I don't know anything about or I don't fully understand. It is a vast area. And I think, you know, Rob used the word earlier, student. I think if you can always be of the, always be of the mentality that you are a, a student, a lifelong student of property or property investment, I think you're gonna end up doing really, really well. I feel like I'm a lifelong student of, of, of property investment and I constantly, strive to learn from those who have, have, have walked down a particular path, done something specific. I love talking to some of the older guys and the older ladies who, 
who have who've built big portfolios or maybe they've 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 developed a load of commercial or maybe they're a big house builder or, or whatever it is that I haven't necessarily done very much of. I find that that inspiring and so interesting. And I think if you can get into the habit of of constantly learning and, and assuming that you're going to be a lifelong student, I think that's a really good place to be. I had a phone call with someone yesterday. He's worth over 100 million. He's bought hundreds of houses in our area. You know, I learned something from him speaking to him on the phone yesterday. We've done a deal to publish his audio book. Stay hungry, stay humble. Finally, you said on, was it a risk? No, the biggest risk yeah. was not doing what we've done. The biggest risk was staying on single lets. The biggest risk was not embracing portfolio building, was not embracing training, was not changing with the market. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. So, hey, it would have been worse to not move with the times, I think. 10 years is a long time to be in business. You must have overcome a lot of adversity. What have been some of the biggest challenges in Progressive's history? Okay, so I am a relatively young, white male brought up in a developed country and it would be unbelievably naive, patronising and closed-minded of me to think I've had it hard, I've had it easy. And uh, I think we should all remember if we're brought up in the UK and we were raised by good parents, we're not in the third world, we have amazing opportunities, we have clean water, energy, healthcare, and most people take it for granted. So for me to say I've overcome these big challenges, it would be, it'd be ridiculous. I've had it easy, I've had a great life, I've got great parents, I'm very grateful for everything. I know it's not the answer you're looking for, but I think people need to sometimes wake up a bit and actually realize how easy we have been given it and to get rid of that entitlement mentality, to stop jumping on the bandwagon of politics and expecting everything to be given to us by society mm. and realize that you can go online and learn everything you want. You're one Google search away from everything you need. You're one Facebook community away from everything you need. You're a few books and CDs and courses from us away from everything you need. There are thousands of people in the progressive community to help you, to support you. So how could I say I've had challenges? So let me answer it, version two. Okay. What have been some of the challenges that have come along? Well, the recession was a challenge. Yeah. And you know, starting up with no money was a challenge. And being in debt was a challenge. And having staff leave and set up in competition was a challenge. But all of those were also the greatest gift. Because had the recession not come in, then all the other companies wouldn't have gone bust and we wouldn't have, like, it was like, it was weird, it was like tumbleweed. Because what happened was, there's Robin Mark and Progressive Property and then all the other companies. And we're little minnows and they're massive entities. And then the recession happened and they all went pop, 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 bust and there's Robin Mark left. So we, we were kind of, we, kept, we became the biggest property training company in the UK, excuse me. You know, the recession was hard, but that was great. And um, I was in debt and had no money, but I probably wouldn't have been as hungry, motivated, passionate, enthusiastic. You know, I probably wouldn't have found the need or the desire to learn from Mark and be his partner. So that was also a great blessing. You, you know, you hire people and then they go and set up in competition. But if you don't hire people, you have to do it all yourself. And we've got loads of people we've trained. We've, got, we've created most of the competition in this marketplace, but I'm very grateful to them for being on the journey. Uh, and I can always say I was part of their journey. So, yeah, you know, we've had challenges. Uh, they're, they're just normal things that happen. You know, no, no one died in the office. No one died doing viewings. Some have died in the properties. Have they? Have they? Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not our fault, but <laughs> yeah. it happens every now and again. They're old and people die. Yeah. Yeah, I really have the mindset that every challenge, there's an equal balanced upside. You've just got to find it. And that, that just makes me so excited, you know, with all the virtual reality, augmented reality, you know, with all these social media groups, with 3D printing, with all of this new tech. Yeah, there are downsides, but there are such unbelievable upsides that I just cannot fail to see how you can't have an amazing business, make money and make a difference, you know, scale your business and also have your, the balance so you can do more of what you love. Growth and disruption are obviously very important to you both. How did you face the challenges of growth as well as the difficulties in the property market? Challenges of growth in terms of growing the team and growing the business. I think that's about structure. It's about having a good hierarchy. It's about hiring the right people 
that's very important in the early days. Certainly my mentality is you make money by cost saving, reducing the, the overhead in your business. Clearly Rob is more thinking, he, you know, his, his thought process is, is, is more focused on increasing margin and on increasing sales. So for me, you know, you find the right people, but you probably don't pay them quite as much as, you know, the company next to you. Or maybe you, you find someone and um, maybe you don't hire them for a full-time role. Clearly, that whole thinking had to be turned around. And, and, and these days, we probably pay more than our competitors because we always want to hire the best. And I think that was a seminal moment when we realized, because we'd read it in a lot of books, we'd, we'd heard a lot of people tell us that that was what you needed to do. But hiring the best really helped us grow and, and, and become the best. And that's something we've, we've really had to, I had to learn the hard way, but we've really felt that we've really experienced it and, 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 and now we're seeing the fruits of it. So, so hiring the best, having a structure for the best to work within is very, very important. When we started, we were young entrepreneurs. You know, I was 26 and Rob was 27. We were still sort of of the opinion that mm, that's for corporate land and what do they know? And they do these, you know, silly manager is managing the manager and, and has another manager beneath him. And, you know, they have these big, big triangles, these, these very hierarchical structures, which which are very costly and, and means you don't know what's going on, on on the shop floor, so to speak. And we wanted to, to get rid of that and have a very flat structure. And after a few years in business, um, we hired uh, an operations manager and a, a few more corporate type people who came into the business and, and taught us actually some of those old hierarchical traditional ways are there for a reason. These big companies are set up in that way because it works. It's, it's tried, tested, and and actually that's 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 probably what's made them who they are today. So so we started testing that, and we, right in the early days we had a hierarchy and a structure that we put each other in. So you know I'd be the finance director, and I'd be buying the deals, and I'd be you know managing the refurb guy, and Rob would be dealing with marketing and and sales and all those other things. But we probably made that deeper. As, as time went on. So, so hiring the right people and, and having the right structure for them to work in was very, very important. I think the culture and the, the, the vision and the mission became more and more important and, uh, and having a DNA that, that runs right through the company that is, is conversant with our, our views and our beliefs and, and, and really embodies what we think our, our customers want and what what's going to benefit them in, in the long run. I think pushing that through our team and, 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 and really getting them to buy into that culture and understand that culture and, and really work towards knowing that culture and, and, and making it part of them was, was a, a big step change for us um, once we, we realised how important that was and um, realised how much our team really needed to, to understand that in order to, to provide the best service and the best products for our, our customers, we started to grow a lot more. Obviously, you know, we started with us and, and my mum. There were three of us. We've now got 65, 70 staff across all the companies. So there have been a hell of a lot of other challenges along the way. It's not necessarily that easy to, to build teams. People come, people go. And the, the, there's lots of ways in which... You, you, lots of mechanisms you need to use to inspire people. Benefits packages, pensions, you know, days off, leaving early, you know, team group sessions. All, all these things are really, really important. And they've come over the years of, of business and, and really learning the hard way. And as a, as a business through time, and you, you realise what works and, and what builds and grows the best team. I think there are two different areas to look at this. There's the property and the property market and then there's business. And kind of Mark and I are flitting in between talking about property and business because for us, property is a business. And, you know, it's not just about owning a load of single lets. For us, we want to build an empire. You know, we want to build something that matters. We want to leave a legacy. We want progressive to be, to properties, then progressive property, then progressive. You know, progressive could be doing many things, not just property because it has that kind of reach. Hence, 
Unlimited Success, our other company was born. We teach personal development courses, public speaking courses. We teach social media marketing courses. We teach, we run podcasts. You know, we have all these, what might be seen as innovations or disruptions or things that didn't immediately seem linked to buying houses. So I think if you don't embrace growth, that's how you stand still. Now, Coca-Cola used to be, it used to be a medicinal company and Rolls-Royce used to be only aircraft. You know, and they moved with the times as cars became more important. And of course, Coca-Cola became soft drinks company. And now Coca-Cola buy out companies like Innocent and they buy all these health food companies to move into you know, a new market. And they, they create Coca, the green Coca-Cola, you know, which is using the natural sweetener because if they keep using saccharin and all the sugar, which is getting disrupted. So if you look at big companies like this, they've evolved 3M you know, the, with the adhesives. The post-it note was a failed glue. So for me, it's obligatory. You have to grow. You have to disrupt. You have to solve problems. You have to move into new markets. But the key for it is to test without risking. You know, you don't want to go all in. So when Mark went from single lets to HMOs, let's say we had 20 single lets, he'd buy one little HMO and he'll test it. And then once that works, we'll buy a few more. And then we've got a load of HMOs. And then you go, oh, okay, well, we might test one of them as a service accommodation and then we build the service accommodation business. And if we're going to do commercial property, you'll buy one little sort of shop with a flat above it. He won't try and buy the cathedral and HMO it into like 258 million units. So this is what we've done over time. It might look like I'm really disruptive. You know, it might look like I take loads of risks. But actually what we do is we do our main thing and then we creep into these new markets. We're just open minded. We just test them. Like Tom, who's behind the camera at the moment, he's just become head of innovation at Progressive. Uh, he's got a free license. He's having a look at VR headsets. He's playing around with how we can look at all of this new technology and bring it into Progressive. Progressive will probably be the first company that are teaching people how to do package deals and teaching estate agents how to do viewings on VR headsets. And, you know, like, but we're not going to stop everything we're doing and say, oh, yeah. it's only VR now, because that would obviously be stupid. So for me, it's, you know, you look at growth and you look at disruption and sort of, you know, the, the biographies, the autobiographies, the documentaries, they dramatize it as like, you know, it's like complete growth and disruption. It's not. It's just iteration moving slowly into new markets, because obviously you tweak yourself one percent in 10 years. You could be doing something completely different. And I think that's where us being in a partnership helps because we can we can play around with different things. You know, I started um, the first podcast in our company and Mark let me do it for, six, for nine or 10 months to see if it worked. And then he set up his own and then we set up progressives. And so it has been with every business we've got. This has been a great discussion of everything you and Progressive have done. And it's a long list of achievements. But tell me, what's the future for you and Progressive? What's coming next? Well, for us, it's going to be more of the same, but bigger. So we're always into the growth because for both of us, I think we've realized over the years that most of the enjoyment, the excitement, the passion, it comes from the growth. Actually, when you get to the destination, quite often it can feel a little bit empty. You get most of the, um, the excitement from, from, from getting bigger and, and growing. So that's what we'll be doing right until you know we're, we're 80 and 90. For me, in, in, in purely property specific terms, obviously we started with, with the single lets, the HMOs, and moved through into the commercial buildings, started converting those into, into apartments and, and rooms. I'm always looking to do more of those buildings and bigger buildings. I've got some land I'm working on at the moment to put a series of apartment buildings on, and, uh, and, and I want bigger, commercial buildings to convert into into residential. So we, we're looking at a, a street in town at the moment, which has got a, a lot of retail along the bottom of it. On the, on the top floor, we could potentially put a lot of residential in there. That's exciting for me. And I know that we will be able to grow through that process. As we learn more and more about different facets and, and different areas of, of property and we grow our knowledge, we're able then to transfer that knowledge into the community, build courses, build trainings, provide DVD sets and, and, and CDs and, 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 and give that, that inspiration and knowledge to our customers and our community. So over time, the, the, the course diversity is likely to, to increase. The amount of 
areas and you know different zones of property investment that, that we're involved in is likely to increase in, in both in terms of what we're doing but also in terms of what we're providing to our community. If you'd have said to me that when I was when we set up Progressive in a little house, it was a tiny two-bed house that my dad helped me get on the ladder for and we, we, we started Progressive in this tiny little dining room. It was ironic because you couldn't fit a dining room in this couldn't fit a dining room table in this dining room. So, you know, you know how sometimes the ad, estate agents advertise the properties. It was certainly smaller than it was advertised. And we, we bought a couple of Ikea tables and chairs and a couple of really cheap Dell computers. And we sat back to back and we had this tiny little house. If you'd have said to me that we were going to be buying the huge buildings in town that we used to rent out to do some of our courses in, I'd have said you're mad. But we ended up buying them and converting them into 38 odd units. You know, if you'd have said to me we were going to be the largest property training company by a mile in the UK, I'd have said you're mad because we weren't even doing training. If you'd have said to me we'd have written all the property books and then all the non-property books and some more property books than anyone else in this last decade, I'd have said you're mad. And um, for me, that's the exciting part. So I think you've got to balance having a vision, having a legacy, desiring to grow, having a plan and also embracing the unknown. So, for example, what am I going to be doing in the future? Probably growing the podcast. I'm already writing my, our ninth book. The eighth book has been finished. It's called Money, and, and that will be launched later in the year. There's new strategies, that property strategies that Mark will get into he, that you, he couldn't even talk to you about yet because he wouldn't have thought service accommodation a few years ago. He wouldn't have believed that he could convert commercial into residential because he'd have thought that was only for developers. So our values are progressive, innovative and personal. And so the future for us is being more progressive, more innovative and more personal, which means we do these new strategies ourselves because we have a passion and hunger and desire to learn and do them. We test them behind the scenes, like we are at the moment testing a couple of new strategies. Mark's getting into some diff different commercial sort of sections, if you like, you know, B's and C's and D's. and. Um, then when it works for us, we're going to throw it back to you in the community and show you how to do it too. And, you know, we're going to get new platforms. You know, so iTunes and podcasts is one we've gone into in the last sort of 18 months, which is a, a real growth market. But there's going to be new ones of them in the future. We're going to be getting more people into the community. Ultimately, the thing that feels the best to me is a merging of making money for yourself, doing what you love with your family and your friends, and making a difference to others that you want to make a difference to. You know, so that if you, you know, making money is great, but if you did that alone and, you know, you sacrificed everything else, then, then it's not great. Being with your family and doing, being with your friends is so important for us all, but if you were skint, there'd be some, there'd be a hole. But also the third part for me, which I probably twigged maybe five years ago, once I'd made my, you know, first million and become a millionaire and I kind of, that was done. It's about how you help others. And I put a post on the community today, which has had, what, hundreds of likes already and loads of people saying, wow, it's great. Thank you for sharing your story. And honestly, that makes you feel as good as a big payday in the property market. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would think if you, we will continue to make money for ourselves, you know, without guilt, unashamedly, it's okay to make money. It's okay to build a big portfolio. You want to put your kids through private school. You know, you want to, you want to give money to your charities. You want to do all those things. Spend time with, you know, cool people and also giving back to the community. So that's why I'll always be writing books. That's why I'll always, always be running my mouth off. That's why I'll be doing a 20 year anniversary, anniversary video and a 30 year and a 40 year and a 50 year anniversary video and writing more books and doing more podcasts and finding new strategies because that's my purpose in life. In 2016, we raised over 140,000 for charity. Um, Sue Ryder was the, the main charity that, that we, we raised money for with the, um, the, the world record attempt. Uh, we, you know, we, yeah, we got three world records. Yeah, we, we got the world records and you know, ra raised a load of money. They're really pleased. And you know, my, my father was in that place. He died in there. We want to help those guys. We want to help the people that are, you know, at the, at the end of their lives. And, um, you know, I, I know Rob's got quite a few connections there as well. Helping those who, you know, need help and, and, and haven't got the same opportunities or, or, or have been, you know, dealt a bad card in life. You know, that, that, that's a great feeling. That's something that we get a lot from. Once you've earned, you know, a good amount of money and you've got a good lifestyle, actually extra money. Yeah, it's fun. 
and of course you want to earn more money but it's a little bit like i don't know it can it doesn't really add that much to your life making a difference to other people's lives has a direct benefit and 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 gives you a, a great a great feeling and a great feeling of fulfillment and that's that's not that's something that earning ever more amounts of money doesn't necessarily bring in the same way so we're this year just setting up the progressive foundation we've it's, it's, we're probably not far off half a million quid we've raised for our charities over the last 10 years and by the way that's thanks to everyone in the community as well not just us because a lot of that has been ticket sales for events that we've then donated obviously mark and i have contributed quite a lot ourselves too but that's thanks to our property portfolio so it's, it's almost like we've crowdsourced from the community raising all this money for charity so anyone in the community knows they're part of something special and i think that's really important but this year we're taking a big step we're setting up the progressive foundation it's quite a lot of red tape and there's quite a lot of stuff to do to set up your own foundation your own charity which a few years ago we maybe have not wanted to have gone into but because we're raising more and more and more now, and we have more influence, and we have more people in the community, we're taking that step. And so what we're gonna be focusing on more is helping homeless people, helping people you know, get homes and trying to focus specifically on property and housing. You know, I'm, I'm really aware of how great a card all of us who are in the community have been dealt being raised in a first world country. And so I really would like to take this to second and third world countries you know, where housing isn't taken for granted, uh, you know, and where sort of basic amenities aren't taken for granted. Uh, you know, and, and that's not, the thing with charity is, uh, like, if I'd have heard someone say this six or seven years ago, I'd have gone, oh, well, you know, that's just what they all say. Or, or maybe you do that for marketing, but actually there's something that changes inside you. And there's the balance of serving yourself and serving others. Mm. And um, I would say if you got to your, I would say when my net worth was about one and a half to two million, that was enough. You know, where every year now I could afford school fees for two kids. I could run four good cars. I could re live in a really good house. I could go around the world whenever I want on business class and blah, blah, blah. And of course, it's grown a lot more since then. But at that level, that was enough. So anything above then is just a desire to grow. But like we said, you get diminishing law returns, but you don't seem to get diminishing law returns on helping other people. And here's the, um, here's the thing that's linked is the more people you help, the more money you make for yourself. So, you know, like you've got to serve yourself to serve others. But once you've served yourself, serve others and you'll serve yourself. I just feel like if we can get a foundation going and, you know, we have some sort of control on how the money's spent, I think we'll get even more enjoyment and fulfillment about seeing people's lives directly benefited from, you know, receiving that money or receiving whatever it is that that you know that that helps their life we will be able to direct it better my vision is to create global financial freedom so personally i want to help as many people across the planet while i'm alive become more financially educated be able to make more money and then serve their own communities the progressive property vision is to help people invest for freedom choice and profit so really you know we just want to keep growing that vision and leave something when we're gone that that, that makes a you know that, that outlasts us uh, makes a huge difference to as many people as possible across the globe. And it started in a little house, in a little village, you know, around Peterborough, and it's grown and grown and grown, and we just want to keep it growing. Right, so I've got the community questions in front of me. So the first one is my one, which was, would you rather have two Robs or two Marks? Two Marks. If we had two Marks, we'd buy good deals. It'd take a little bit longer, but the deals would be good. And if we yeah. did it long enough, we'd get the benefit of compounding. What about yourself? <laughs> well, I mean, this is a, you know, lose-lose question, isn't it? <laughs> Two robs, you know. Oh, well, yeah, but I, I'm going to answer like a politician. Yeah. I think you need both. <laughs> no, you can't chip out. You've got to give an answer. Well, politicians don't give an answer, do they? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, I well, think you do both. it's not about that question. It's about <laughs> this question. If we wanted to write books... Yeah. And if we wanted to grow a training business, yeah. probably two robs. If we wanted to keep buying yeah. properties and yeah. move into newer, bigger deals, two marks. Yeah, what do you want to do? Okay. Good question. Next. Yeah. <laughs> right, next question. Um, this is from Dan Gladstone. Over the last 10 years, what has been your biggest argument? 10 years, biggest argument. People always want this. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Oh, you guys, not a perfect partnership. You must have had loads of arguments. But we really haven't had that many. You're not very argumentative. I'm more argumentative than Rob. Yeah. So 
when it's brewing, Rob probably takes the heat out of it. I'm trying to think. I can remember one. Okay. And, uh, and I actually learned a lot from this. So we were probably about nine months into progressive property. Yeah. And I was getting up really early and working, starting early and finishing late. And I thought Mark wasn't working as much as me. But here's the thing. I was probably doing more hours, but I needed to, to show him that I had value. And Mark was bringing much more in terms of knowledge. So I was looking at him going, oh, you know, hours. Yeah. And Mark was turning up late a few times. And I remember he turned up late and I was like, bloody hell, mate, what time is this? He said, well, actually, Rob, I'm not really enjoying being here much at the moment anyway. And, um, and I kind of backed off then because I thought, bloody hell, you know, that's no good. And it wasn't like a full on spat. But I learned a lot from that. And I actually read a few posts in the community about this today. A partnership is not about who does more hours. It's about what you bring. And some people need to work harder to bring more. And Mark had a lot of knowledge. And also he, yeah. needs, he needed them more balance than I needed. He had mates, I didn't. You know, he had another life, I didn't. So I can't compare him to me. But other than that, it's probably not even about property or business, is no. it? No. We we don't really argue it's not really like that it's a bit weird you know i'd be one that would argue um i mean our old boss he <laughs> he and i used to have raging rows in the office in front of all the staff it was embarrassing um you know oh, because be like this, that is. because because he'd just come out with a complete load of hogwash about um, oh oh you go and buy these flats they're three hundred grand and then you get a twenty grand cash back and we'll all be millionaires and all all this rubbish <laughs> had come out and I go yeah but the yields four percent they're three they're three hundred grand they don't work and you're paying fifty grand more than it's worth anyway because it's a new build and then he'd tell me I was wrong and because I I was so passionate about having the truth about property investment outed, uh, I'd just tell him it was wrong and we'd have a few, a huge row, so yeah. I think if you can learn to get to know people really well and watch them, you can diffuse these situations. Like I am, I've had a lot of fear of rejection. I've felt in my life that I've suppressed a lot of emotion and in my 20s I had some of anger management issues. Yeah. Uh, and, and I had to learn to understand people. So, for example, I can see a monk's face if he hasn't had a good night's sleep because sometimes he has problems sleeping. Mm -hmm. I can see if he's like got that much paperwork on his desk. So if I can see him going into a bit of a leading up to a, I'll just go, oh, OK. And if I can understand him, I can just back off. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's the point in going there? Yeah. Cool. So I've got another question from Connor Benham and he's asked, who is Batman and who is Robin? Who's Where do Batman? we get these <laughs> questions from? What, what is, what are, uh, well, when we started, I was Robin yeah. and he was Batman because yeah. I was his apprentice. But obviously I'm physically, you know, much bigger <laughs> and stronger. And um, now I'm obviously Batman. Do you think you're Batman or Robin? <laughs> I'll let Rob be Batman. Right, next yeah. question. Yeah. Right, the next question is from uh, Kevin Elliott. <laughs> I'm looking at Tom because he has these questions. Yeah. And he's put, uh, what's the craziest business idea that one of you have had? Well, I don't think Mark has any crazy ones. Yeah. Mark, Mark likes to watch other people have crazy ones, see if they work. If they work, he'll do them a bit later. And if they don't work, he'll go, uh, that was crazy. Yeah, I'm not really an ideas man. Uh, so I have all the crazy yeah, ones. Yeah, he, he has all the ideas. I sort of, I, I probably am a, a copier but I try and copy the best or model the best. Uh, look at what else is happening elsewhere. Watch it for a period of time. Make sure it's real. Make sure it works. Then model it myself. Um, yeah, we've, mm. we, I think a good and bad thing about me mm. is that I'll try a lot of things and I've got a lot of ideas. Yeah. Downside is I make more mistakes than many. Upsides is quite a few of them work. So most of them haven't really been that bad, even if they've not worked, because the next one has. Or also... We just improve, improve, improve. One thing I remember we did, and it was kind of my idea, is we went. We were mentored by James Khan. We went down to see him in London, and he, he we did a business plan, and he mentored us yeah. um, in quite a lot of detail, actually. It was really helpful. And he talked to us about systems and processes and um, having a manual for everyone in the team. And he said, if you have a manual for a role, then that manual will manage the person, and you don't have to. And we went back. And we only had about eight or nine staff at the time. And we said to all the oh, staff, yeah. you're all going to write your manuals now, which, of course, they were over the moon about. And we were like, well, why wouldn't you want to write your own manual? Because that's doing two jobs. And then they would be like, oh, we're doing write our own manual. 
And then once a couple of them started to say, oh, you're just trying to get rid of us. And I said, no, no, we're not doing that. And we, we created this incentive scheme. And we said, if you write your manual, you'll get a reward. If you don't, you'll get a fine. Yeah. That was the worst idea ever. Oh, oh, about your mum went mad. Oh, yeah. Yo, you can't buy us. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, this is outrageous. Yeah, one, of our, one of our assistants <laughs> left, said it was illegal. And yeah, yeah, that wasn't our best idea. There you go. Thanks for those uh, answers. I hope they were the answers that you might be looking for, but they were interesting anyway. And uh, that concludes the interview. Thanks, Rob and Mark. Appreciate thanks, the answers. And uh, thanks for the community for giving them. And thank you and goodbye.